Hello and welcome back to the Happy Smiling People podcast. Today I am joined by ultra runner, content creator and coach Adriana Moser. In this episode we discuss the value of long distance running, the pitfalls of Strava, the non-obvious merits and downfalls of building a large online audience, exciting race announcement for Adriana's 2024 season and much more. Do make sure you're following the show. So many amazing guests coming up and you don't want to miss out. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate the show five stars. I would really appreciate it. Enjoy. Adriana, hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to have you here. So I just want to ask you, you run 100 kilometer races for fun. Why do you do that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um... 15-year-old me would not know how to answer this because I was always pretending to be sick when we were having like Cooper tests, etc. But I think I do it because it's just like, it's the one state where I feel like completely in tune with myself is like when I'm out running. I'm not a sprinter, I'm a bit of a diesel. Um, it allows me to like be in the mountains for a long period of time and eat a lot. So basically those two I quite like. So when did you decide to do your first actual 100 kilometer race um, so that was in 2019 um i did my first marathon in 2018 so i made a big jump quite quickly um so i started running in 2018 beginning of the year had my first marathon in september and then it wasn't that i was like super good but the way that i finished i felt not done yet um, and i saw other people like kind of struggling at the end and i was like hmm, maybe this is not my distance and then i just googled some races that had like double the distance. Um, so I signed up for like the Transylvania 100K in Romania, um, which was like around May the next year. So a very short period of time. Um, I was like very naive, I guess, in a way as well. But the thing in my head was like, I might as well train for a big one then when I'm training anyway. So that was kind of the logic that convinced myself to do it. So I had basically doubled it the elevation of my marathon because it was a mountain marathon and more or less double the distance so I thought it was like a good a good way to enter the ultra scene <laughs> so literally you're doubling the distance and then doubling the elevation and just like this will all be fine yeah <laughs> the, the thing is like the bigger the numbers didn't make sense in my head so like I couldn't imagine running 100k I couldn't imagine like the elevation of around 5,000, 6,000, it just sounded like I really could not com comprehend these numbers. And I think that kind of was a nice thing because then it I, it wouldn't scare me as much because I was like, I don't know what to expect. So I think that was kind of a nice entry. Now, of course, I know what these numbers mean. So it's a little bit, I can't play this trick on my mind anymore. I know what's coming. And what is the hardest part of a 100 kilometer race for you? I think it's just like, starting healthy so I think it's just getting to the the, the start line in time and like uh, being not injured the race itself is quite it sounds very different but it sounds it's a bit relaxing for me because I know okay I've done all my work I'm an overthinker so I think my struggle mostly is in advance so right now also we're like pre-season um and I'm kind of just like getting scared and overthinking little aches and pains in, in bef like beforehand. But it's often as soon as I start a race, I, I try like, I become this puzzle solver and I'm just very, I'm not overthinking. I'm just like working from A to B. And 
Um, so I would say for me, the hardest part is all the, the work that goes into it beforehand. I also work with a um, sports mental coach because I, I am struggling with these like overthinking, imposter syndrome, these kind of things. Um, so I would say that is for me personally the, the biggest part. I have a history where I had a bit of a darker period in my life, um, which is before I started running. And I think that's why I know like mentally I can finish, but it's just like getting to the start line is for me the hardest. It is crazy, the mental side of that. Mm -hmm. So what sort of exercises do you work with your mental coach on improving and taking away that pressure and that fear and the imposter syndrome? Yeah, so I think it's for everyone very different, but my one of my my biggest issues with my head is that I tend to be really inward focused. So I'm like overthinking everything that goes inside of me. So for instance, when I'm doing um, intervals or so, we're now working on, okay, let's listen to like the sounds, the sounds of my breathing, like the surroundings focus on more outward things so that I'm not as much trapped in my head and then limit my, my performance in that way. Because one of the, the things that I have, like I personally haven't seen if I can go to my limit yet, which in a way is a good thing for an athlete. Like I haven't bonked, I haven't really felt lactate yet, like all of these things. And it doesn't mean that I will be extremely like an hour faster normally. Maybe it's just five seconds, but I think my mind is really protecting me from going to that limit. So with my um, sports mental coach, we're really trying to to get my mind out of that. So um, by like having someone pace me, for instance, for certain distances um, so that I can focus on the pacer instead of like, ooh, is this like something that I can sustain? And I think that in a way made me a good ultra runner because I'm really good at like pacing conservatively, uh, conservatively, which means like I'm not bonking. At the same time, I don't know if how much faster I could have been, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's really interesting that like the biological yeah. aspect of our minds and our bodies, because when we have these feelings of like horrible pain and it's like I've seen our bodies like putting off sirens yeah. being like we are really trying hard this isn't good this is not sustainable it's like our body sign of being like what are you doing be careful and then we actually limit ourselves because our brain is saying okay maybe we shouldn't mm -hmm. keep going this pace but it's getting that right isn't it of you're actually racing because you're trying to tell your body that no we're not actually like running away from a lion or out hunting against yeah. yeah. cake men and women but we are in a race and we have 10 kilometers to go and we need to keep going and then we will be fine. But you can't really tell that to your body biologically. So you do need to try and get past those literal signs that how we are designed to be like, whoa, and like you can hear the siren going off in your brain of being like, stop this now. So it's so funny that we actually have to overcome that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. And like also right now I have a small niggle and I had an MRI scan and everything is like, good, there's a small inflammation and I'm working with my physio, etc. I think my experience of this pain is a lot larger because of the, the season that is coming up. So I think like, because I'm so hypersensitive to these spots, you become kind of your own enemy in a way. Um, whereas I think in a race situation, I wouldn't have been bothered too much by this pain and maybe the pain level would be a lot less. Or like my mom, if she would have this issue, maybe she would like, say okay she'll sleep it off you know but i think it's like it's so enhanced by your mental state and like how much value you put in these things like of course if running is taken away like 
fortunately, I also like cross training so I can easily go into a different direction, but at the same time, it makes me happy. So as soon as like, there's something off, there's this, this freak out moment, you know, of, oh, okay. Is this, is this going to put me in injury for a long time? And then I wanted to ask you about your coaching. How do you kind of approach that? Because I think it must be super interesting as being an athlete yourself. You've been through it all. You've been through the highs and the lows, but then also coaching people through that, incorporating your own experience, but then also dealing with it, like nutrition element of fueling for this massively long race. How have you found becoming a coach? When did you become a coach? And what's been the story through that? So... Basically, I started studying all these things like um, I'm also a strength trainer. So like I started, I got a certification for that. I'm a mental coach as well as a sports nutritionist and a coach. So I kind of took up all these things and started studying these aspects um, basically to help myself first. So it all happened around like 2018 when I started training for my first marathon. Um, That's when I was like, okay, I want to do this in a healthy way, full disclosure. The years beforehand, I was spent in and out of hospital. I was not in a good mental space and I'm lucky to still be alive. Like the doctors really said to me, okay, you might have to say goodbye to your family because your body probably will not last a lot longer. And so when I was finally like mentally and physically recovered and I was like, okay, I want to take up like a sports. I chose running because running is cheap, we all think initially. Um, and then I wanted to train for something. So I signed up for my first marathon, but I did make this, the promise to myself to never do running out of punishment. Um, and like really do it as an ode to, okay, my, my body has been given a second chance kind of, and I kind of want to do this, like these extreme things in as healthy way as possible. So I just need to know these things. And I used to work in film. I used to do something completely different. But when I learned about all these things, I kind of had this like inner desire to kind of explain everyone about these things um, and like to guide them in a way, because you see so many things on Instagram or like even people around me having this no pain, no gain approach or like talking about puking after all training sessions as if that's a good thing. And for me, I was like, that's an alarm bell. So I just, I was like, okay, I want to kind of just give my approach to those who want to, who are open for like trying to be in tune with the body and work with the body instead of against it. So that's kind of how I started it. And then of course, Corona came. So it was not the best timing to, to open a business like that. Um, but right now it seems to be really, um, working out well, and it's teaching me so much about other people as well and different approaches. I have people that I coach who are road runners, 5k runners, ultra runners, um, I have a triathlete, a triathlete, so all different kind of people with their own different lifestyle. Um, so it's, I don't know, I, I always like to evolve and grow. And I feel like my own clients also teach me so much. So it's, it's weird to say it's my job because it is my job, but at the same time, they give me so much. And I just want to ask you about that experience of thinking that you are at the end of your road and then suddenly you've been given what you described as like a second chance, a second life. You have in the bio of your Instagram that you are like, say yes to your adventure. And I just want to know what your new perspective is from before being in hospital to then after, how you approach things, opportunities, 
and just the mundane everyday lifestyle that we can rush through, we can resent, we can not even be present in this moment. But has your perspective changed having gone yeah. through that? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I I know that the people who care about me don't like me saying this, but I kind of consider it as a waste of my time. Like in my 20s, I feel like I played a game that I shouldn't have been playing. I think I was just naively not aware of the fact that I just needed love and life could be over within a second. Um, also now looking back at like pictures, etc., and like realizing, okay, actually I have to be very lucky that I am still alive because we only have one life. And it's, I think for me, at least as a human being, it's hard to understand that that's it. You know, you kind of have the feeling that you're a superhuman in a way. So I try to, I did learn so much from that as in it kind of forced me to control what I can control. And it, I worked a lot on myself, my mental side. And that doesn't mean that I don't struggle, but I feel like I can more easily Instead of looking at what I don't have, or um, for instance, like I'm in my thirties, I don't have a partner right now. Sometimes that is on my mind, but I try to then just like see instead the things that I do have or, and as soon as I feel a bit negative, then I force myself to do the things that I know will make. So I know that there are two options. Either I can drag myself down in misery and like have a pity party, which is also okay for a day. Or I can like make myself that cup of tea or I can like go outside for that walk. There are so many things, small things that I can do to do self-care in these moments. And I've become very strict in that way. Like if as soon as I have a bad mental day or like Instagram is sometimes for me full of hate about like how I look, etc. And I don't want to go out for a run thinking, oh, I need to be lean or so. So as soon as anything like that pops up in my mind, I back off. I don't go running because I don't want the two to be connected. Last year, my sister, unfortunately, was going through cancer. Um, she beat it. But also these moments were just like a realization for me to just be very happy with the things that I'm doing right now. And sure, like last year, I wasn't able to race because I couldn't focus on everything. Um, but at the same time, I chose with my friend to like go on adventures like she said oh you want to go explore a certain part and normally I'm a planner I want to know what what I can expect but I was like you know what why not there's this is the safest way possible and I just really try to seek joy and as soon as I didn't feel that then I would say okay I don't want to ever lose the joy that I have in running and I feel like for instance also my performance at the end of the year was partly because of that, because I still had this love for running instead of just being pace oriented, these kind of things. Um, I do know that maybe because of my past, I now really like hard things as in, as soon as there's a challenge thrown upon me and my mind screams, okay, absolutely. You can't do this. Um, I kind of have to say yes. So full disclosure, it's, I haven't said it to anyone else yet, but I'm also running the full marathon, the Sable this year. So in April, um, it scares the hell out of me. And I'm just like, I like my sleep, as I said beforehand. So I like a bed and now I'm six days in the Sahara, no shower. Um, I did half of it, which means I know how hard it is. And now I'm just like carrying more stuff on my back. And I'm like, 
this makes absolutely no sense, but why not? You know, um, they gave me this opportunity. So I, the only thing is, I think people are now going to say, oh, she's a, like a, she's a desert runner, but I actually hate it. But it's just like one of these things that I feel like I can't say no to, if that makes sense. This is just like so exactly. unreal. They're just amazing opportunities as well in life. And sometimes we can be scared and think, oh no, or think what other people will think. Or what if I fail? What if I do? Yeah. What if I don't do? Like you come up with all these things in your head. But just when you're talking, it's like we can be kind to ourselves. We can say lovely words to ourselves that we affirm ourselves because we are all special. We all have mm-hmm. gifts. We are all on a journey of life with ups and with downs. On social media, we don't really post about the horrible things that happen or the mm-hmm. negative things. Or just if we're having a rubbish day. And then when you scroll through a feed and if you follow however many hundred people, at least like a few percent of them are going to be posting their highlights. That could be the highlight of their whole year. And then suddenly yeah. you think, oh my goodness, everyone's having the best day. Everyone's having PBs. Everyone's going out and doing these amazing achievements or just always on holiday or whatever it may yeah. be. Yeah. But it's not real life. And I think that's super interesting. Like we have to step back and actually accept that and be like, okay, well, who am I? Where am I grounded in? Because it's all very new for us to be exposed to so mm-hmm. many people who we never would have even known of or met. And there's so many more celebrities now because they're all online with loads of yeah. followers that we are exposed to, that our little brains are like, what the heck's going on here? Why am I looking at the screen all day? And it is a lot. But it also means we can do these amazing things like yeah. run in the desert. I mean, you live in Austria. And the desert and Austria, there's not like a huge amount in common. <laughs> no, not at all. If you go in April, it's still going to be snowy where you are. So how are you yeah. like climatized to that? Um, yeah, I need to do a lot of heat training, um, but it's definitely on my mind. Like um, I haven't planned my flights yet. And one of the things is like, okay, I can try to go to Morocco earlier. But at the same time, nutrition there for me wasn't like my stomach might be a little bit sensitive so then it's like okay do I want to do that um but fortunately I have a really nice coach who like gives me a lot of tips and I think we're just like going to use the hot tub and like sauna kind of a strategies but yeah it's um I don't know it it's definitely not the terrain to to run in it's the same as like snow is very different from sand both equally like terrible in a way um but very different so we will see. I think I just need to do a lot of stabilization um, and like weight training again with a weight vest because you're running with a lot of heavy stuff on your back. And then it's basically just survival out there, I think. <laughs> Incredible. And why have you decided to have a coach for yourself while being a coach? What was that decision? Um, it was actually quite easily made. I, in 2018, in my first ultra 2019, I was like self-coached. Um, I did win like a, a three months on like a giveaway with a coach and was connected and we had a good match. So he has been my coach up until last year and he's now staying on as my mentor, but I felt like it's time for me now that I'm like becoming more competitive to kind of have fresh eyes, um, looking at my, my training. So I now am with a coach called Tyler and. Tyler and Nathan, my old previous coach, they're also working together a bit. So it's really nice. But I, as a coach, I believe in coaches. So I don't believe that you need a coach. I think everyone can do it, but a coach is a great tool to make life easier. And to be honest, like it's easier for me to be a coach and like to preach what you should be doing 
And I'm like so proud of my athletes because they all listen to me, but sometimes it's hard to listen to myself. So I need someone else to say that because I, I need some structure also to kind of like know what to adapt from. So I think if I would be completely self-coached now, I either do too much or too little or wouldn't push myself too much out of my comfort zone. So now with my coach, like I just have someone who looks over my shoulder and kind of, yeah, gives me a little extra push. And there's a lot of chat about zone two running. Everyone seems to be obsessed with zone two running. Are you a believer in the zone two? Is that something you preach of? Um, I do believe that like a lot of the easy runs really should have, should be easy. I know it's like very different for some people because it also depends on your, like your resting heart rate, how far that is. So my resting heart rate is quite low. And if someone has like double the resting heart rate, of course, they get to that zone quite like quicker. But I do see a lot of, so to, just to keep it to myself, I do really well on double days and I can only do that load because I to do so much so easy. So when I say easy, it's like, I can sing along to songs. I sometimes do that to try out if I still <laughs> still can. It's terrible, 5 a.m. in the morning, nobody can hear, so it's fine. But I, it's also really nice, it's very relax relaxing. I like hard sessions as well, but I do think that for the body to be able to handle the load and restore from it, it's also so much more enjoyable to have these like nice and easy runs rather than feeling like you constantly push yourself to a certain limit, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I love that when people approach training and zones and all of the training sessions, they, they're quite serious. And I love that you're like, so I just test it by seeing if I can still sing. And if I can still sing, then it's all good. I'm in the right zone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like I run a lot of my runs alone. Um, and I also tend to like you, we all have our egos, right? So like, I know some days I'm a bit faster and some days I'm a bit slower. So Either I try to just like breathe through my nose or do these kind of things. And if I don't have a partner to speak to, yeah, then I'd rather sing. <laughs> like, of course, not hitting all the notes, right? But that's okay. I'm not Taylor Swift. I've heard she did a few like treadmill sessions, but not there yet. <laughs> now, isn't that how they train to be able to dance on stage on tour is they literally run on a treadmill, like properly singing. And I'm like, <laughs> I wouldn't, that's yeah. incredible. Like, low-key yeah. athletes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So what does the average week in your life look like? So right now it's a little bit different because I'm still like seeing a physio twice a week. Um, but normally I would say, okay, I work around 40 hours a week, um, train between 15 to 20 hours, but I often have like 10 ish runs a week. So I do a lot of different runs between hundred K 150 K a week. And then I swim a lot if possible. Um, I feel like it helps me a lot with my mental side of things as well. And like it trains the breathing and core, etc. I do a bit of strength training and a bit of cycling, but it depends on the phase of the season that I'm in. So of course, the closer to the race, the more specific we're going to be, um, the less swimming, the less everything. Now in winter, I can do ski touring. I can do that to stay away a bit from the running. Um, and often like two to three hard sessions. So. The rest is all easy. And how do you fit your work in within that? If you're flexible and self-employed, you can move it about a bit, but how do you fit that into your day? So I do work on the weekends. I try not to, um, but I just have these gaps open there. 
and I have people um, that I coach all over the world. So sometimes the different time slots, but a lot of my work also is, um, so I have WhatsApp contact with my athletes. Um, we send a lot of voice notes back and forth. So we're not constantly having like fixed meetings, which allows me then to, of course, plan it a bit better so that if I have two or three trainings a day, that I do have this recovery period of time. One of the things that is important for me is during my rest day, which is often on Monday, um, I have complete rest from all activities, but also rest from stressful work meetings, um, because I do think that like I need this full break. Um, if I then would like have a very busy work day, I feel like my body would still notice the stress, um, which is then counterintuitive of like why I actually do it. Exactly. I was going to ask you about your boundaries and how you maintain that like mental I don't know mental clarity mental peacefulness because you can do all the training you can be on top of your nutrition but if your brain is all clouded and cluttered and you're feeling exhausted mentally do you know it's gonna like the moment you hit that hard bit you're gonna crumble because you're you need to prepare your brain and your mind just as you were saying and you put a lot of time into that so with the world of social media, working from mm-hmm. home, being self-employed, it's really difficult to have those boundaries because if you are maintaining a platform on social media and then it's your day off, but then you say, oh, I'm just going to edit this reel and put this up or this mm-hmm. post, suddenly you're working. Then you switch mm-hmm. on to work. And that is stress. It does have a level of stress within you. And if you keep that unchecked, it's going to have implications further down the line. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean... It's one of the things that I now can get away with in my life. Like I said, I do live alone. I My family lives in a different country. So it's a little bit, I am in a very controlled setting, but I know that's going to change or I think it will change at some point again. But one of the moments where I realized it as well is like I went through quite a big breakup almost two years ago and I really could not like the stress that that gave me mentally just didn't allow me to train kind of at all. And that was like a big awakening for me like I know that some people who are stressed or have a lot of anger in them or frustration they often burst that into like a hard session for me my body just couldn't do anything at all and that was a good I didn't want to go through it but it was a good like learning experience also for me to give to my athletes like I often check in with them like uh, on a personal level how stress levels are in their personal lives like we're very intimate in that way Um, Because I do think it has such a tremendous effect on everything. And I do know that, I mean, I used to also have a a different job next to it. As soon as that happens again, my training load will look like the volume will definitely become a bit less. Um, Doesn't mean it's going to get worse. It's just keeping the quality in. Right now, I just love having this option to do it. Is it the best way of training? I don't know. I do. I'm a firm believer of quality over quantity. And unfortunately, again, on like I'm not on Strava, but I do see people posting on Instagram from Strava. There are big weeks of some people, but what you need to realize is you don't know how they are living. Some people are students. They have that op- opportunity. Some people have a budget where they don't necessarily need to cook all the time. And if you simply don't have that, then you can still have a very, very good training going on with just like half the time that they are putting into it, I would say. Why are you not on Strava? (laughs) Um, I am very competitive uh, in my head and I feel like this, 
I also run in miles. I, I normally come from a country where kilometers are a thing, but I feel like it just, it is somehow tied with this imposter syndrome as to like, as long as I don't see anything else, I can focus on myself. One of the things that I also want to work on is it's a shame. I kind of don't like racing where my friends are racing because I feel like I don't want to be a failure. Whereas I don't mind raising a big race and having Courtney the wall to show up like that would not frighten me at all. But having some friends see me here would like freak me out. So I think it kind of is all tied with that. Um, not sharing Strava is not necessarily because I don't want others to see me, but it's more to block myself from seeing others, which is also why I don't follow a lot of people on Instagram. Like I, I know I get a lot of requests from people like, Hey, why don't you follow me back? But I try to just like limit to, um, the core that I really want to see. Cause I feel like you get so much information, like you said as well. And it's for me, I can't believe that there are people growing up or like teenagers and having Instagram around you. Like, I think it would really be hard on me mentally um, because I can see how how I'm often on Instagram when I'm not in a good mental space um, as a consumer of Instagram and yeah I have this conflict every day kind of like I know that I have a big reach and I know that some people are very motivated through me but it's I constantly am thinking okay is this good for me um, it gives me a lot of benefits no doubts like I get some invitations to some races and I like my sponsors um, are definitely interested also because of that. At the same time, it's not super healthy for me mentally. Uh, again, like I said, I don't know how other communities are handling it, but unfortunately my community is not very friendly to me. And then at the same time, I tend to put myself also down when I see others or when I see other reels or these kind of things. So it's a, it's a tricky thing. And every day I kind of am like, okay, should I still be doing this? Um, and making up the balance like right now I like to and I like to motivate people in a way that I want to stay as authentic as possible but it's hard like I said I it's it's a perfect world I try not to be fake but at the same time I also show snippets of things that I want to share if that makes sense yeah for sure it's really interesting having conversations with people about social media especially people like yourself with platforms that are quite large and reach a large audience because I'm not sure that anyone could say with complete certainty that Instagram mm -hmm. and social media is a good thing. Like everyone says, well, yeah. there is good part because I get to inspire people. I have a creative outlet. I get to work with these amazing brands and do amazing things. I can promote what I'm working on. But there's, it, it literally always comes with a but. There's always a caveat. Mm -hmm. People need to download apps to block themselves from the compulsion of picking up their phone and going online and scrolling endlessly and feeling bad about themselves. People's attention span has absolutely shrunk. If a reel doesn't encapsulate them within the first three seconds yeah. of watching it, they will swipe on. Yeah. You know, and it's scary seeing the impact of that because what long-term impact is that going to have on the generation, as you say, who are growing up as teenagers? So not only are they having these comparisons, but if we just talk about the scientific element of the attention span, of watching these short form videos and TikTok as well. I mm -hmm. a little bit of TikTok, but not really, because it terrifies me. Do you yeah. know? I don't hear anything good about it. And it, why are we subjecting ourselves to these things that make us feel so rubbish? Yeah. No, it's it's really crazy. Yeah. Like I, I can't really say anything else about it because 
I kind of started growing a lot, like one and a half, two years ago. Like I, two years ago, I still had like 1400. And then um, I, one of my reels kind of got viral and that's how it picked up. And then last year I, I grew, like I continued to grow a bit. But it's, I don't know, like I felt more alone since I have a bigger audience. Um, and I think partly it is because I do know that I'm myself to blame because I post stories every day, kind of not super interesting. I don't know why people are watching it, but kind of what trainings I'm doing. Um, and I feel like because people that I consider friends or even acquaintances, they're watching it and they feel like they know what's going on in my life. And I feel like that is, they then forget to reach, actually reach out to me. Um, or some people I've heard from some people, oh, like you probably are super popular. Like I feel more alone and isolated. And that's something that last year I was struggling with a lot that I really actively had to try and reach out to people. Um, whereas people often have the opposite like impression of, I think people with a big following because they have the feeling, okay, like they're getting compliments all the time. Like, first of all, or at least what you remember is often more the hate. So that's in your head. Then secondly, people are watching your life and um, they know things about you that you kind of forget that you share with the entire world because it's just so hard to comprehend that thousands of people are watching your stuff. It's really strange for me to like, in my head, I'm still sharing just for my friends. But then I come across someone and they know an intimate part of my life, for instance, about my sister. And then I'm like, wow, it was interesting that you now say this. It's nice that you check in on me but why didn't you react in the first place when I was posting about it? Like these kind of things. And I feel like a lot of people, not because they mean they don't like me or um, don't want to be friends anymore, but I feel like they they think they know what I'm up to and then forget to actually check it. Um, so I do think it is a lonely world for a lot of people. Yeah, it's it's something that has actually been documented as well, that people feel a lot more lonely than they ever have done before even mm -hmm. pre-pandemic and then post-pandemic that and during it as well it just was magnified hundreds and hundreds of times it made everyone feel a lot more alone because we are in this social media you can text anyone you can message anyone even if you yeah. don't know them you can reach out to people yeah but are we actually picking up the phone to our friends are we mm -hmm. spending quality time without our phones at the dinner table do you know if you go to a yeah. restaurant look around and see how many people are sitting on their phones it's, yeah, it's terrifying crazy. do you know yeah. we need to have eye contact engage mm -hmm. people it's so important because even in the in this age we can sit in our home and order food and it can be dropped at our door and we don't have an interaction with yeah. anybody do you know yeah. you can go to a cafe to order a coffee and you can do it from a self-service machine mm -hmm. that you're not even, like speaking to someone and it really impacts you like more so than we know because there's tiny tiny little things they're not massive changes it's just a little bit like that they actually add up all those small interactions of smiling at a stranger or holding the door open for someone or like someone drops their hat on the floor and you pick it up for them and they say oh thank you and you're like no worries and then suddenly yeah. you both have this dopamine fix it yeah. really makes a difference in our lives and as humans we're not actually that complicated that is what we need it is those human interactions that bond us yeah, I think that's why I really enjoyed um, my multi-stage experience last year because first of all we didn't really have internet or anything secondly you're all like forced in the Sahara to kind of like bond together because like it's not like oh you go to a race and then you finish and like 
people talk about their paces. It's like you finished and the first people and the last people were all like eating together. So it was a very communal thing. And I think that's what I liked most about the entire race was I finally had that family feeling back. And I think the life that I right now have created is a really nice life for the goal that I want to have. But I really have to try and see how long term this like mentally makes me happy because there have been moments last year where I was like, wow, today I think my only interaction was with someone in the supermarket. And it's not because I didn't want to make interaction with anyone. I think one study, like I saw a quote somewhere where it also said that texts that you receive are very different like from like even phone calls. Um, so and I, we're such a texting kind of community, right? So sure, I have like a lot of contact with my athletes, but at the same time, it's delayed. Um, I don't have colleagues, these kind of things. So for me, I really need to kind of establish, okay, I need to reach out for people. And I... I feel like that's not normally in my natural way of doing things, but if I can conquer mountains, I think I can also go up to a person and, and talk. Uh, but again, that is often now connected to, oh, you need something from me. So I don't know if it's very European based, because I also used to live in Canada for a bit and I felt like there it was a bit easier for random people to just give out compliments without like expecting something. And here in Austria, they're very, I love them, but they're very cold and very stubborn and <laughs> very to themselves. And if, if I would do that, either they think I'm massively hitting on them or like, I don't know, they would just like not do anything. So I don't know. Um, yeah, one of my best fr friends, actually, she uh, slid into my DMs because she was, uh, she saw me running a lot. So that's kind of, I think, one way that people can communicate, but it doesn't happen in person anymore, which is sad. I was listening to a podcast and the guy was speaking and he said that every time he thinks of a friend or thinks of an interaction with a friend or just a memory, do you know, because we all do that through our days, like, oh, do you remember that time that this person did that and that was really funny or that was a really lovely thing or we did something together. You have that thought, but message them when you have that, mm -hmm. like put that action because it's quite a low effort thing to do because you've already had the thought, you've already processed it, mm -hmm. it's already in you don't need to remember about it because it's already there so just pick up your phone and message and be like oh I was just thinking about this like let's have a call or I was just thinking about this like how are you doing or hey like oh yeah do you remember we did this that was really funny and then it just carries on that connection because relationships take work do you know mm -hmm. friendships take work and I think when we leave school we leave university we're into this big bad world it's suddenly quite frightening because we also are likely to move different places and meet new people mm -hmm. start businesses have new clients and we all kind of try and act like we have it all together which is quite <laughs> weird because none of us actually do so we're we are all human at the end of the day do you know it's like when someone something happens in a group of people and it's kind of embarrassing and you don't know who they are and no one laughs at you or like smiles at you or like haha do you know they just pretend like you don't exist like that is the yeah. worst feeling someone literally yeah. laughing in your face because you fell on the floor or something I mean, yeah what, what is this world that we live in so i think just pity, making that effort is something that i've really tried to do in my life and it does make a difference but it's also hard i think just mm -hmm. admitting to everyone like we all find it hard do you know people might look at your instagram and be like wow she has so mm -hmm. many followers and she gets to do mm -hmm. all these races she is amazing which you are but you also have your difficulties you are yeah. human do you know, and it's just normalizing that, which is really yeah. hard to do in this era of self-empowerment. No, absolutely. And I mean, that's one of the things I'm struggling with communicating because 
I am open about stuff in my life, um, but I I think my past kind of makes me. I don't want to linger too much because I had a very long period of time where my difficulties in life kind of have become my identity, and I feel like I don't want that. Like I want to. Sure, I have bad moments, and I am okay with sharing them, or like even talking about, for instance, my sister, or I have talked about in the past also about like I've been sexually assaulted, and also during runs. And I do talk about it, but I feel like my mindset is more like, okay, and now we look forward. And I think that's sometimes one of the things that I struggle with still, because I kind of do want to be authentic. And I, I feel like I am authentic. Like I do, I'm not faking stuff, but at the same time, I don't often show them these harder moments. Um, and it's, it's hard to find a balance because you see also some people on Instagram and they're wonderful and they might motivate and inspire a lot of people, but I feel like they're identity has become this whole thing of um of a thing that they're struggling with and i kind of just want to move forward so it's hard for me to kind of like then say okay i want to talk a lot about imposter syndrome yeah sure i do but i also want to get over it that's such a good point you want to move on from it and not dwell on it yeah and yeah acknowledge the growth that you've had because of these things yeah yeah. They're not your identity anymore. You have shed them and you are moving forward. So when we're talking about moving forward, I want to know what your resolutions are for 2024. I would probably just say it's the opposite of what a lot of people are saying uh, and the opposite of my bio, but it's probably saying more no to things that I actually don't really want to do. So I tend to say yes also sometimes in, in situations where I'm more like people pleasing, I think. So I definitely want to stick to saying yes to crazy adventures more, which I have lined up, but at the same time, setting my boundaries a bit better. I think that is like also to family. It's okay when people are struggling and it's okay, you can still be there. But at the same time, I kind of need to protect myself. And yeah. my resolution is probably to, to be out in public a bit, bit more, be a bit more confident about my the way that I'm like right now looking and I'm not old, I can embrace being in my 30 and kind of just like reinforce that a bit. Exactly. And some crazy long runs as well. I have no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Incredible. So if people want to keep up to date with what you're doing and seeing what you're doing and these amazing runs and running <laughs> through the desert, oh my goodness, I cannot wait to see how you get on with that. I'm sure you will crush it, but I'm excited to hear the horror stories as well. <laughs> If people want to keep up to date with all of that or get in touch about coaching, where should they go? Um, so the best way is Instagram, which is um, a.d.moser, M-O-S-E-R, or my website, adrianamoser.com. Incredible. I will link those below as well so people can check that out. And thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today, Adriana. I, I really enjoyed our conversation and it's so important to be real online, but also connect with people out with the internet and have those interactions, smile at those strangers and... Exactly. Just be nice. Like, if we didn't yeah. anything in this world, why would we not be kind? I would say that's the perfect note to end. Yes. <laughs> hey, thank that's you well, for your time. Thank you so much for, for coming on and chatting.